This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. Have you seen that they've brought the breakfast wrap back? Oh, have they? Yeah, they have. I can't wait to get my hands on one. I don't doubt it, mate. I'm looking forward to trying their cheesy bacon flatbread. Oh, you saw. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On today's show, we look at the defeats to Wickham and those bloody tangerines, we discuss Steve Evans and referees, and we answer some of your Twitter questions. Welcome to the Borough Pod! doing it properly this time i'm your host nate hi welcome joining me this evening we've got uh we've got pat with us how are you mate i'm good thank you i've never been less prepared for a borough pod before but you know i'm sure you can do the heavy lifting you normally do <laughs> uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure that's true i point you guys in the right direction you do my, the majority of the lifting for me i think um we said that let's do some heavy lifting right now uh we're going to cover off the last week Probably quite quickly because it's not been great, has it? Pat? I mean, two defeats, another three goals shipped to the league. You know, it, it's we've had better times. Yeah. So uh, last Tuesday, Stephen is nil, Nick Wickham won. Um, rubbish game. Didn't uh, didn't really uh, threaten them too much. Uh, I think it was pretty even. They probably edged it. Yeah, no one, no one cares somebody. about the, uh, No one really cares about the former pizza cup, they do they? So, I listened to this one. Nothing really happened. No one really got excited. They scored. We huffed and puffed a bit, but didn't score. And everyone went, "Yeah, well, we can still qualify." But if we don't, eh. what? I think the thing. I think it was Greg who pointed it out. Was like all of the squad players who had a chance to step up for more game time in the games that matter didn't. So, yeah. We aren't any more further forward in terms of like that sort of competition, which you want to start to see around the fringes, and that kind of bore fruit in the league game that we went on to, where we were missing Butler, and rather than playing Hannum, who has just shown he's not got what's needed to be trusted with the start, we played JFC out of position at left back, and that's indicative of how that sort of recruitment's gone. It's always a bit hit and miss with like loaning in youngsters and we've got Burns and Hedge you've done really well but the rest of them have not really shown anything yet I don't think I don't think Hannum's alone is he oh is he permanent even worse yeah I think he I, I think he's I think he was released by uh Crystal Palace yeah you're right well came in as a trialist from Yes. yes, Crystal Palace, you're right. So yeah, he's permanent. Yeah. Same stands, though. It's going to be a bit more developing time before he's ready for 
League One action, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one player that I was disappointed with because of the hype is Harvey White. He had glimpses where he was like, okay, no, he's got some, he's got something about him, but he was second to everything. And yeah, it left me a little bit like, okay, that's why we're not seeing him. It's, at least that sort of explained itself there. Um, it's got to come a long way before he starts challenging the likes of either either of the Thompsons or JFC in, in midfield to for some starts there because it, it just wasn't good enough. Mm. Yeah, and it's... Um... When you're getting into the suspensions, injuries, tough stretch in the middle of the season is the sort of the sort of luxuries you want. And I guess we've had players like um, Saxon early in the past and um, Ogilvy who've really stepped up and looked like first team caliber players really quickly. So we've been spoiled a yeah. little bit. Um, so yeah, we're we're missing that. Yeah, uh, it was good to see Kane Smith back uh, when he came on Absolutely. in the second half. Um, the first thing he did was put in the best cross of the afternoon or evening, and uh, no one gambled on it, so it just harmlessly went out for a throw-in, I believe. Waste. And you can kind of... I guess it's the sort of thing, if you're playing with him regularly, you'd expect and predict and go for, but also, go for it, or you've got to lose. Right, exactly. It's just a bit... Just a bit lame, but no one gambled. Um, uh, it, it's annoying because as a, as a as a football fan that doesn't like the idea of under twenty ones being in this competition, I, I I don't want to do well in it. But as prize money goes, obviously like the the, the the league cup the prize money isn't a thing until you get till to the latter stages. Whereas this. You know, you get you get prize money for wins every every single game. You get prize money for making up for stepping up all the way to the the final semi finals. You don't get any prize money, but that's because you get like a bigger wedge in the final. So it's uh, it'll be disappointing to go out. Very disappointing, especially like looking at the group, at like AFC fucking Wimbledon, Wickham. <sighs> We should be qualifying from this group, really. You'd think. And, like, winning becomes a bit of a habit, I think. It threw out a squad. And you start to see, like, you get into these habits of, oh, well, it's just, you know, we'll come back in the next one. It's like, we need a bit more urgency than that. And uh, that's, yep. you know, maybe lingering on into the, some of the league fixtures as well. Well, yes. Um, so looking at... Uh... The league fixture that followed, um, Blackpool 3, Stevenage nil. We were bad. Mm. Very bad, if I'm completely honest. Um, they deservedly, albeit somewhat fortuitously, they went ahead deservedly. Um, in the first half, uh, Jamie Reid had a controversially denied goal. I'm still, I'm still pretty sure it was a it, he was onside. Um, if the only real camera angle we've got of it so far, it does look like it's touch and go, 
But if you look at the angle of the line of the penalty box and then look at the angle of the line of the six yard box, like the further the further corners are much closer together than the nearer corners. So you can't say, oh, just because Jamie Reed looks uh further away from the uh from the line of the sort of the the, the end the, the the penalty penalty yard box penalty yard box fucking hell the penalty <laughs> edge of the penalty area um he's definitely offside because because it's just does it doesn't work like that fucking photography doesn't work like that angles don't work like that i'm still convinced he was he was onside from from what i can work out uh but that doesn't forgive the capitulation in the second half you know we were second best in the first half and we weren't even there in the second half we were abysmal yeah it's a weird one wasn't it i um i was i missed all of this game i didn't even hear the commentary Uh, i caught up with it on the train wi-fi on the way back home about 58 minutes they were one nil down and i flipped back to the stats and was like okay yeah so First half, Blackpool shaded possession, as you'd expect, created slightly more shooting opportunities and uh, slightly more slightly more possession. So, But we're not out of it. 1-0 is reasonable. We've had that goal, unfortunately, disallowed. And I could see from the replays people were posting that there's an argument there. Steve Evans certainly seems convinced, although I think some of that's for show. We'll come on to that, I'm sure. Um and then so so watching the last half hour, the updates coming in, thinking, here we go, right, we can really fight here and get something out of this game. Then it went to 2-0, slightly fortunate deflection. And then nothing happened, and then it went to 3-0. And then everyone went home going, yeah. well, at least people enjoyed their day out in Blackpool, I suppose. So disappointing to see it fizzle out, disappointing to read people saying this was a pitch performance and... Even if the equaliser had been allowed, there's not not much to convince you that we'd kick on and win it from that first half play display. It was lethargic and disjointed, and that's going to make it tough away from home against a team with the quality of players that Blackpool have. And you know, with players like Jordan Rhodes in the side, really established high level strikers, it's always going to be a challenge. Yep. Um, absolutely. Uh, now. Uh... We haven't done this for a while. Uh, we're going to listen to Steve Evans' thoughts after the game, and then we're going to discuss them afterwards. This is going to make me angry for the second time in two days. Thanks. Yeah, I haven't actually listened to all of it. I was like, no, I want to do this. I want to do this on the podcast. So uh, here we go. Steve Evans, sometimes your luck's not in. Yeah, listen, we we don't stand here and profess to think we've played well today. You know, we've had some blows before the game in, in terms of Dan Sweeney suddenly no travelling and Luther Wilde not being available and Dan Butler being out, suspended. So that was a bit of a blow. But I thought the boys that come in really worked hard. Um, it's a difficult place to come. We didn't, we're not playing particularly well. Um, the supporters will look at the goals back themselves, but... You know, a skipper should clear the ball up the pitch. He tries a silly pass. The guy's a striker goal. Jordan Rhodes, who's a prolific goal scorer, and that's a goal scorer, does he? he? knows nothing about it. You know more about going to Tesco tomorrow or Sainsbury's, whatever supermarket he goes to, because there's hundreds. Um, but it just hits him and goes in. And then, and then there's, for me, there's a pivotal moment in the game. It's game-changing. It's a well worth set play. Pierre Gianni knocks it into Jamie Reid. He's brave. He goes in, he scores. There's probably 
the supporters can do this. They count to five or six seconds before a flag goes up. Mm. And obviously you don't know whether it's offside from our seat, but you sit down. And they come out for the start of the second half and Neil Critchley said to me, yeah, we've just looked at Steve, he's clearly onside. We've got away with that. And that's hard. And then second half, the, we're, we're trying to change the game with one with three up front. We're, we're having to gamble a little bit at the back and they get a deflection. And, um, and that, that probably seals the game for them. But then they got a wonderful goal from the boy Hamilton, who's played for me. You know, I brought him out of Mansfield results and put him in the team. And he's lightning quick and it's a wonderful finish from CJ. So we have absolutely no complaints over 90 minutes. But I think every manager in the country today, including the Premier League, would say that there's big moments in, in games. And we had big moments in game at Bolton and they turned up and they were humble and crying in our office and we, we accepted it. I just wonder who's going to be at office on Tuesday, whether this guy in here is going to be in, because it's such a horrendous decision and a game-changing decision. But we'll get another email. I'm sick of emails from them. And the Football League need to get a grip with how bad officials are at our level. That's horrendous from the assistant referee. Referee has to go by the assistant referee, but he's in a good enough position to see it. I've just looked at the camera. He's in a good enough position to see it. it's a clear goal. Um, and that's, that's a game-changer. But we'll take the hearts along journey home. As it was for the supporters who made the trip today, I think they've travelled in real good numbers, probably having a couple of days up here, but with good numbers that travelled to Bolton as well, and they were on the, the end of the worst refereeing season, sorry, the worst refereeing performance I've seen over 19, 25 years. Just terrible against us. And then we've got a pivotal moment today, but I'm not surprised, to be honest, what's going on. I'm not surprised some, some managers get this going against them on a regular basis. There's no coincidence behind it. We know what's behind it. What we found odd was it took so long for that flag to go up. Have you spoken to him? Do you know why it took so long? Well, I asked him the question at half-time and he said, I'm not going to discuss it, go away. Uh, and that's just so they go and get their excuses and their stories right inside the dressing room, minute. But they can have no excuses and stories. Uh, they'll go home tonight. They won't, they won't think about it. We'll speak to the head of referees. He'll say he'll look at it. And then they'll get an email or a phone call on Monday to apologise. And then Herd will probably try and ring me. And it's just absolutely shocking, shocking um, decision. That, listen, Blackpool is Blackpool's a really good side. Mm. They're a really good side, really good players. Well resourced with the owner. Good manager, Neil. I'm going to go and have a, a beer with him, a quick beer. But really good manager. And it, and it takes a friend in the game, to be honest. Like, like I am with a lot of managers. As I come out of the tunnel, that's like enough. We've got away with that stuff, clearly on. That's hard to accept how bad they're becoming. Obviously, you tried everything you could to uh, to get yourselves back into the game and, and the players tried hard, but it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, listen, we, we tried ever so hard. At 2-0, they had a couple of blocks. Um, I don't think we were anywhere near our best today. We don't we don't come away and say that, but we've gone we, we've gone 4-2-4 four, four at one stage. We've gone four up front and three strikers up front. And we tried to just say, if we get a goal, Blackpool will get nervous. It's it's what happened to us. It happens in, in football. Um, the third goal obviously takes that nervousness away. Um, but you know, we even at, even at two one, if we'd have got the goal in the first half, even if it's two one, we're still in the game up until CJ scores. And I'd suggest they might have been a bit more defensive rather than having that comfort of a two zero lead. Then they can throw CJ high wide. He didn't have a kick against Kasky in the first half, but when he's allowed to gamble and take that free area. You know, it makes it makes Elliot less look slow. CJ is that quick. He's and he's a great kid. So, if I certainly is, he's just his friend and knows Charles Stevens. I say what a fine goal. So, um, but we'll we'll take the heart this evening. Well, I'll go and ask the question. I'll get the absolute nonsense that I get when I go in, and we'll get the customer email. But these officials, I dear me, they're um, 
today, wow, the assistant referee that, that gives that offside, he won't he won't blink, will he? He won't blink on tomorrow. He'll read the newspaper and think he's done well and remember that he gave a key decision and he got it right until he gets the email and then he goes, oh, I'll get coached. I'll learn. Get out, get off the football league, go and, go and coach your non-league. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so um, Steve's boy, very, very unhappy. I think... Um, Oh, I don't know what to. I, uh, I don't know where to start with it. To be honest, um, what did you make of the refereeing in the rest of the game? Because from that rant, it can't have just been that one decision that he feels he's got the worst of throughout the game. Well, I have to say, I don't remember anything else the referees got like really wrong and you remember the really bad refereeing performances don't you like yes, it's absolutely. not it's not something that that you just sort of forget i can remember i can remember with in really vivid detail bradford at home last season where there were two penalty shouts in the first first half where the ball the referees less than 5 yards away the ball pops up and hits somebody in the on the hand in the box, and like the players, like not just it's hitting, he's not just hit his hand, he slaps the ball away, and then later on Sweeney is just like rugby tackled to the ground, like it's you remember the shocking performances, and I don't think the referee was that bad. He didn't. He was a little bit whistle happy. There was there were some decisions where I was like, ah, it's a bit soft. It's you don't need to blow up for that for both teams. Uh, if I was um, being uh, harsh, maybe I would say that he uh, he did want to be the centre of attention a little bit, but that's probably unfair to the guy. I think he's he was better, way better than the fucking clown we had against Wigan. Yep. Far better. And as we've discussed on the offside, like it's close and borderline and difficult to tell based on the angle. Yeah. If it's that close, it's not as much of a howler as he made on in that diatribe, mm. right? So which means that no, I, my I, interpretation of that is it's a deflection from the poorness of our performance to try and yeah. distract yeah. people. And I'm not buying it, and I don't like to see that. I, be, I hear that both in this case because it was a video i'd rather yeah see the you know acknowledge the problems and talk about how you're going to address them rather than kind of deflect it onto something else because it just makes you look and sound disingenuous it's the second time this season where we've where we've said that about steve's post-match presser um this season isn't it it's it, you know, and I think last time I said one of the things we liked about him when he came in to begin with was when we were bad, he said, no, we were shit today. Can't can't, can't play like that and expect to come out with three points. We need to be better. Um, and it was really refreshing from the bullshit we got on a regular basis from that fucking Tisdale clown. Hmm. Um, but he... I can absolutely appreciate why he might feel like the referees have got a might have a axe to grind with him, you know? 
Well, it's only going to get worse if you do that after every game. But it's only going to get worse if you keep acknowledging it like that. Um, I don't... I, even though I've I've made the remark, it's always been somewhat tongue-in-cheek in the past about the fact that referees can't just be this appalling. There has to be some corruption. But that's more because I don't genuinely want to believe that there's corruption. I don't think there actually is. I no. think they are, unfortunately, this piss. Um, and like I said, the referee is, I don't even think it's the referee. The referee's angle on that, I can absolutely understand why he thinks Jamie Reed's offside. If you look at the if you look at the screenshot I tweeted on the Borough Pod Twitter account, um just just after it happens. You know, I I, I think you look at it, you go, he hasn't got a player within five, six, seven yards of him from a set piece in the middle of the fucking area. Mm-hmm. You, how often does a player have that much time and space and they are not offside? I can perfectly well understand why somebody might look at that and think, got to be off. Even if, the, even if they're wrong. Um, yeah. The refs probably thought, Jesus Christ, he's in a lot of space. Look over to his buddy. All right, flags up. Off, rule it offside. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's the linesman, the, the, I hate that they call them assistant referees anymore. It's bollocks. Fucking linesman. Hmm. It's the linesman that's that's really at fault because he will have the perfect view. There's, from a set piece, there is no reason why a linesman can't judge an offside like that correctly. Um, they will be in line with the last defender. But we do see them get it wrong. Yep. You can understand sometimes, you know, that although you know these referees and, and linesmen are, are supposed to be, you know, really fit, they're not going to be as fit as these professional athletes. You quite often see a linesman five, six, seven, eight yards line uh, yards behind the line of play. The ball's played over the top. From his angle, the player looks offside because he's got a shit angle because he's not up with play because of the ferocity of the speed of a counter-attack, for instance. So yeah. the flag goes up. You can absolutely, maybe maybe not forgive it if it happens too often, but you can understand, you can sort of appreciate to a certain extent, a certain extent why that happens, but there's no excuse. No you can excuse forgive it as long as it's even for both sides. And yeah. If you go on to ship two more goals, you can't use it as ninety five percent of your excuse for losing the game, which is basically what we ha- we saw there. Was, there was a little bit start. Oh yeah, we didn't play very well. Yeah, first twenty seconds, remaining five minutes was complaining about the officials and yeah. I don't know. I think the well, I'm, I'm sure behind the scenes they'll be looking at it the other way around because you can't affect the officials. You just have to go out and play better, but. If you ship three goals away from home, it makes it very difficult to win any game of football, regardless of whether you get the rub of the green or from the officiating. And uh, I think Jordan Jordan's finish was better than uh, he's given him credit for. It looked like he guided that chest to the opposite side of the goal from the where the keeper was diving to me. I think he knew what he was doing there. Reacted very quickly yeah. to it. The second one's a fortunate deflection, and the third one is catching us on the counter as we press forward and try and do it. And at least we adapted in the second half to be a bit more attacking, but too little, too late. And both sides only had three on target. We didn't score any. That's the bottom line of it all, I think. Yep. yep. 
Yep. Um, Evans has gone further um, with uh, calls for VAR to be introduced in the EFL. Um, he said uh, he clearly looked on side the assistant referee flagged terribly late so the entire team was celebrating the video replay clearly shows it's on side and once again we are on the wrong end of a really poor decision just like away at Bolton last week I don't know what he's referring to at Bolton last week to be honest no I watched that game and so- can't, I don't what I don't know what decision was really wrong on that. I think two, three two to Bolton was probably more or less fair. I may be completely misremembering the game to be honest. It was a mm-hmm. while ago. Um, anyway, uh, he, he goes on to say uh, the head of the head of referees at the EFL has already looked at the video footage, and first thing this morning he rang me to apologise refutably. We seem to Refutably. be on the wrong. We seem to be on the wrong end of these big decisions this season. I struggle to find a coincidence. You know, that's what I, that's what I was referring to when I said he seems to be suggesting that he is being targeted unfairly. He or Stevenage are being targeted unfairly for by referees. I mean, there's always an element of your reputation preceding you and that kind of big, strong, physical, direct side does see some of the 50-50s going against us, I think. Um, And certainly, like, what Presley has to put up with on a week-in, week-out basis, all Mm -hmm. the half Nelsons and the shirt pulling and the battering he takes without getting anything at all. Yeah. And I think there's an element to which, and you see it in the Premier League all the time, like, oh, I mean, Burnley can't be taking the lead against Mass City. He must have been offside. There's no way they're going to be scoring when they're so much inferior to their opposition. And we're bound to get that against some of the bigger teams as well in the subconscious of the officiating crews. Yeah. And you have to hope they shrug that off as much as they can and try and not let it influence what's actually happening out there. But you never know how much it does have an effect. But all you can do is be as best you can be and try and play your way around it. And um, it wasn't that decision that lost us this game. And it wasn't that decision that lost us a point from this game either. No. No, no. We were we were so far. I mean, it, I, I have this conversation on Twitter, I, f- I feel like, several times a season with people where people will say things like, oh, you know, you lost 3-0 anyway. It was like, yeah, okay. Like, we did, and we were really shit, and you, like, off the basis of that, you won fair and square. But if it does go one all, do you think the second half happens exactly the same? You never know. Momentum's it doesn't. It's, it's, unlike, it? it's unlikely, isn't it? It's unlikely. If we score just on, like, the brink of half time, instead of going in... Feeling relieved that they're not, we're not level, and feeling relieved to be ahead. Blackpool going in disheartened, a bit pissed off that they're that they're that we've pegged them back. You don't know what happens at half time. You don't know what changes are made either by Blackpool or by Stevenage. Things do change, so it could be it could be the catalyst that lost us the game. But irrelevant is our mentality after that 
wasn't good enough. We didn't come out and do the job that we needed to do to put that behind us. We lost that game by not being competitive. Yep. Blackburn, uh, sorry, Blackpool were just better than us. We did not, we did not raise our level to the to the point we needed it to be, and that's happened a few times this season. Like you know, Oxford is another good example. They were fantastic against us when they won three one at the Lamex, but we were pissed as well. Like it wasn't just that they were fantastic. Both teams can play games where they're both fantastic. We were shite. We were certainly worse than our best level has been this season and that was the level we needed to be able to keep that one close. And it feels like this one a bit is 3-0 flat as Blackpool a bit looking at the stats. It's more a case of them capitalising on, well, getting a bit lucky for the second and capitalising on the press that we had to put on in the third. But we are where we are and that's three of the last four games we've conceded three and that's you know that's not going to keep you in the t- in the what was the what was the tweet that came out say in the race for the playoffs yes um so our form at the moment let's just have, let's just look at that um we'll, i know you probably don't want to but we're going to do it um f- f- the last 5 games in league 1 a 3-0 win away at Cheltenham, which feels like an awful long time ago, doesn't it? Yes. 3-1 win at home against Oxford, a 3-2 loss away against uh, Bolton, a 1-0 home victory over Wigan, um, and then uh, a 3-0 defeat on the road against Blackpool. Um, Yes, the only other team in the top half with form that bad is Port Vale, who we play next. Oh, and Exeter. Yes. (coughs) Yes. Let's <coughs> have so a look at the League Two table, shall we? Sorry, League Two. <laughs> you did that a couple of weeks. Now I'm joining in with you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's right. Cheltenham, back to their typical non non goal scoring ways. Um, uh, actually, no, I don't think they played this weekend. Uh, there were a few fewer postponements because of international call ups. Um, Carlisle have escaped the escaped the uh, the drop zone. So actually, no promoted teams currently in the bottom four. Carlisle in twentieth, Northampton in nineteenth, and Leighton Orient up to tenth. It's disgusting, isn't it? Uh, let's just let's just look at the important places. Tenth, uh, Leighton Orient. 17 points, Derby in ninth with 18 points, Wickham and Blackpool in eighth and seventeenth, 7th with eighteen and uh, with 19 points each. And then you've got Bolton in 6th uh, with 20, Stevenage 5th with 21, Peterborough up to 4th, 21 points, uh, Barnsley are 3rd uh, with 22 points, and you've got Oxford and Portsmouth running away at the top. Uh, 27 and 28 points respectively um they're on they're both on five game winning streaks and are comfortably the best teams in the division aren't they certainly feels like it and we're one of only three teams to have played 13 as well so there's single or double games in hand for all of the top 11 on us now <laughs> points in the bag are always more important but certainly for the top <clears throat> nine they're on good enough yeah. form to get one or two points from that and, and 
jumpers. So the Bourvoyle game becomes massive for maintaining league position and the Wickham game coming up as well is huge because uh, they is, yeah. us if we don't get something from it. Yes, it does. Um, so if we look at uh, Port Vale's run um, of the last five, they're winless in the last five. Uh, 3-2 home defeat against uh, Burton. Uh, that was on a Tuesday night and we were like, no chance they lose that. <laughs> they lost. Uh, then they drew one all on the road with Cambridge United. Lost 1-0 home against Bolton. Um, lost 3-0 away against uh, Bristol Ravers. And then lost 2-0 away against... Uh, Portsmouth, uh, their game at the weekend against Fleetwood was postponed. Um, so they've got three raved games on the row in a row. I sound too American then. They're away, yeah. th- they're away three games in a row. Um, with a visit to us on Saturday. Um, pretty tough run of fixtures for them. They've had a couple of cup wins yeah. in the meantime, so they won't be quite yeah. as low as you might think on that. But yeah, yeah a bit if- more rest than us. That's not always good. Especially when you're, especially in a run of form like that, you probably don't want to. I mean, losing, losing, but the losing can become as much of a habit as winning can, though, can't it? So, say maybe they do. Maybe the break is exactly what they needed, um, rather than keeping up that drab momentum. Um, They've after us. They've got Peterborough up uh, before a game you would expect them to win against Cheltenham. Yeah. So it feels like a game on Saturday that you can't afford to be happy with a point, which I don't know. Maybe being it feels a little bit, bit too early in the season with that to, to 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 be saying that, but I think that's where we are. Yeah, and I don't know where they really rank in terms of like size. I was looking at like average attendances, so we're down in twenty first. They're thirteenth, kind of mid table, but they're the sort of team that aren't out of reach that we should really be reaching for. They're not a a massive club, you know. They're the smallest... They're the smallest club in their region, aren't they? Yeah. Really? With the likes of Stoke and whoever in that sort of area. Um, I mean, there's only really them and Stoke, to be fair. Um, Stoke are comfortably comfortably the bigger of the two. Um, Yeah, I don't think they're... uh, I don't think we should be looking at this thinking anything but three points is what is what we should be taking here. Um, yeah, we've talked before, before about not judging form coming into a game as it and just taking it as it comes. But if your ambition is truly to stay in that top six, then you've got to you've got to be winning your home games. You've got to be winning your home games against teams coming in with poor form particularly you've got to be winning your home games against teams that aren't the bigger sides in the division because there are some teams who are going to have triple your budget that you've got to compete against and that's much more difficult you know it's a it's a mark of how skewed the league is that the average attendance is only exceeded by the top eight everyone else is lower so yeah there's a real disparity of teams at the top level that we're trying to fight our way into and uh, yeah it's going to take consistent high level of performance from the whole team to uh, deliver that yeah I mean that's that's something that uh, you know going back to last season when we started to entertain the possibility of promotion it's one of the things that Drek has said a few times isn't it that uh, this division really is a weird kind of two 
two-tiered thing where you've got those teams that are sort of championship standard in terms of like infrastructure teams and you've got like a lot of little clubs sort of punching um you like you'd like you know you'd like to, I think we've shown enough to say that we are a good mid-table side this year at the very least um but it'd be really nice to string a few wins together now and put ourselves back in the we're good enough to challenge for promotion. Maybe not good enough to get promotion, but good enough to challenge for the best part of the season. That's what we ultimately want, isn't it? Um, and I would have considered a top 10 finish to be like exceeding expectations and a really good effort for your first season Far. in the division. Now, <laughs> yeah. all right, you, you, you've got to be aiming higher than that. You've got to be aiming to win every game. But if you get to the end of the year and you think we're closer to the playoff places than we were to the relegation places, that's a victory for a newly promoted side, particularly a newly promoted side that isn't like a sleeping giant, you know, it's a, trying to establish itself at higher levels team. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, we're going to answer some Twitter questions. Ooh. Wasp, uh, Wasps asked us, who do you think the top three will be at Christmas? Oh, now I wish I hadn't closed the league table. I mean, the top two look away and clear, so it's really a question of who is going to manage to lead the... Uh... Chasing pack. Exactly, exactly that. I like... Oh, I was going to say Barnsley, but Barnsley are third, so that's a real cop-out answer. But Barnsley were the team that looked the best from the um, other games footage that I've seen. Around the around the league, yeah, um, they've got quite they've got quite a few preferable preferable games, um, sort of in the run up to Christmas. You know, they've got they've they've got they've got to play the likes of you know, Orient, Shrewsbury, Fleetwood. Uh, Carlisle, Reading, Charlton, I mean Vale, us. I think they've got I think they've got quite a nice they've got a nice run into Christmas from here. Um there's only sort of a few games there that are gonna be you're gonna say they're gonna struggle with, you know, that Bolton could be a it's gonna be a tricky tie for them. I think Bolton, yeah. Bolton. I mean, Bolton are in with a shout because I think, although I think we were sort of went well with them, sort of, um, you know, we went toe to toe with them for in that in that game. I think they are a good side. Um, Peterborough, you know, Peterborough are up to fourth now. Um, they've been on a, a steady run. Uh, two wins, two draws, and a loss. Oh, actually, the loss was in the. Uh, the League Cup. Uh, Peterborough are always an exciting side to watch, but they're not necessarily the most reliable. No. Um, I mean, Black. I mean, Blackpool probably they're one of the best teams we've faced this season. Uh, this this season, in terms of their attacking threat, aren't they? Mm. They were very good going forwards. Um, I think. I think. As much of a cop out as it might be, I think I have to give it to Barnsley. Hmm. I don't think that's unfair. We play the percentages. 
it's not even it's not even the fact that they're there at the moment. I just think that I think they're a really good side. They had a little they started started, you know, went off went off like the races um week one and then they had a few sort of tough games and they had a little bit of a wobble um where things didn't things didn't really go their way. Sort of New York Giants to the beginning of the season. Um <laughs> But they've put a really good run of form in generally over the last sort of few weeks, and you know they've they've climbed steadily, climbed the table from mid table. So they, uh, I think, I think they're they're probably one of the ones that, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past them to perhaps even be the only team that stays in stays within reach. You know, they're 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 five points back on Oxford, um, while Oxford have got a game in hand. I wouldn't be surprised to see Barnsley sort of keep keep get get that gap down to within five and keep it there and and maybe even catch up with the with Oxford and Portsmouth. I think Portsmouth might run away with it. I think Oxford, I think Oxford will probably keep more or less keep pace with them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Portsmouth run away with it and then Oxford and Barnsley are fighting it out for that second promotion automatic promotion space. Mm, time will tell. Uh, Aiden Cheevers says recent run of form is it something to be worried about going into the future or is it simply a case of taking time to adapt to the smarter League One teams I think it's a reflection of the kind of patchy nature of our recruitment and our first 11 is good enough to challenge anyone on their day when you're dropping into the 11 behind that, you start to find weaknesses, particularly like we saw at left back in the last game. And that's going to be a, a struggle for any smaller side trying to punch its weight in a in this division against the bigger sides. Um, mm. We've got a really tough run of fixtures coming up as well. So it's not just bedding in, I don't think. It's just like weathering those storms and trying to keep picking up points on the regular as best you can during them. It's not always going to be pretty. No, I mean we have to. You know, we've we've spoken about the the size of the club um, already, and I think that that's I think that's something that we have to remember. You know, it's it's very easy to get ahead of yourselves, um, and you know, idiots on Twitter are certainly going to remind us how some of our more optimistic fans were talking about the potential promotion in August. Um, now, you know, for for for, for level headed fellows like you and me, it's that's that's incredibly early to be talking about that kind of thing. But people yeah. like to, you know, football fans get carried away and they 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 chat shit, particularly on Twitter, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not going to stop us singing about it when we're in the league on the East either, because it's fun. Oh fuck no! But you've got to think like we've got tough teams to play and you've got to pick up points as best you can and the thing you've got to avoid is getting into the kind of losing habits we were talking about before where yes you're in a position even at one nil you're thinking how are they going to find a way to concede late on in this one and i don't think we've quite got to that stage yet but we've seen too many times cheap goals from set pieces that's the sort of thing that needs stamping out like really simple stuff like letting throw-ins bounce in your box and be converted at the back post that sort of stuff it's not good enough at League Two level. It's definitely not good enough at League One level. And it's simple for you as a team to take control and deal with that. 
And if you don't, you get punished at this level more often than not. Yeah, I think that I think that's it, isn't it? We we I I made the point often towards the end of last season that we are going to be up against we're going to be up against teams that are far not only far best far better physically but far more intelligent um the golf at the top of league 1 to like mid lower table in league 2 in terms of football IQ and and the way players read the game and and and, and adapt it's so much better we've already seen that the speed of the game is a lot faster um there's always there's always a, a a a time a time to adapt you know we hit the we hit the ground running we started really well um you know to a certain extent proving our proving our doubters and our critics wrong but you know we we have to do something to to keep that up um i think i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised at all to see us fall fall down to mid, sort of mid table obscurity that's fine it, even now, that's fine. As long as we're not, as long as we don't plummet into a relegation battle, a la Gary fucking Smith. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a successful season. You know, we yeah. we we might have some absolute drubbins. There will be teams that take far worse beatings, like Port Vale did at at Barnsley. There'll be teams that get smashed by some of these better teams in the division. It happens. Um, I don't think that any team. I don't think the many teams will give us a real hiding. Um, yeah, you don't mind the odd loss. What you mind is being easy to beat and looking like fodder. Yes, and we haven't seen that yet, with the exception not, possibly not the Reading often. game with the sending off, where everything just went against them. But even in this one, that was three nil, was like fairly even first half, not particularly inspiring, and then. An unlucky deflection, and then trying desperately to get back into it, failing. There wasn't any point at which it felt like they'd down tools and were just there for the taking, which you know we've seen in the past. That's when it starts to get soul destroying, and we're we're a very long way from that. Yeah, yeah, no, we are we are a long way. Um, our mate Ben uh, sent us a question: Do you think we've possibly bulked the squad out too much this season? Um, he goes on to to, to explain, uh, saying players there are players that are getting minimal game time, all of which would be solid pickups for other League One clubs. You know the likes of Neil White, McNeil, um, Hannum. Great depth depth pieces to have, but he he can't help feel that it's really tough for them to come in and make an impact. Um, and he does go on again to say, um, it's great to have that depth. But there's too much, especially in midfield and attack. You know, we're going to, we're going to get to that really busy November, that slog through November, December into January, where you've got games pretty much every four or five days, um, and we are going to be going into that. The players have probably featured two, two or three times. And that's not going to be good for them, and it's not going to be good for the squad. Um, what do you think of that? I think White's probably the exception to this because he's been injured and he's coming back, so we haven't really had a chance to see what he can give yet. But Anderson's McNeil's, well. yeah, yeah, McNeil's dropped to like fifth in the striker pecking order, maybe sixth if you include Roberts going in ahead of him, and just 
in the small period he had didn't show enough to stay ahead of your list, your reads, your um, Presleys, you know. We talked about it earlier in the show that the ones that got in in the Pizza Cup, that's your opportunity to stake your claim for more minutes in the games that matter more. And neither of those two opportunities were taken by the fringe players who had the chance. So I don't think it's a case that there's stuff kicking around on the bench that could be doing a better job in the first team than the first team are doing from the evidence that we've seen outside of the league fixtures. It'd be nice if that was the case because we need it by the looks of uh, recent patchy form. But I don't, with the exception of that um, kind of central midfield region where we don't play that many. So there's always going to be um, kind of overlap in the in the time for those. But I think you do need to establish a partnership there as well. So you can't afford to be chopping and changing on the regular. You want your best pairing, which is probably Louis Thompson and Jake Forstakowski, to my mind, to be developing an understanding on how best to function in the structure that he wants to play predominantly. Yeah, um, I think the um, I think the the point that's made about um, having too much depth as well is um, we've got a lot of players that in these backup positions that don't feel the same sort of player profile as the T players ahead of them. Um, so you know, like for the the, the example that Reese put on the Twitter was that Presley. When he's out, if you put McNeil or Hemmings in, they're so different, so different to Pressy. They don't offer the same thing. So then you don't, you're not just putting in a player to do a job that they're not really. That that's not their strength. You're actually putting them in, and you're having to change the system to fit them in. You know, it's it's great that we've got like Listy and Reed who who have. Quite similar. I wouldn't say they're totally similar, but they're quite similar in terms of they're the players you want to have the ball at their feet so that to to try and you know get at a man, beat him, and put a, and get a shot in. Right? You're not going to give McNeil or Hemmings that role necessarily, but also like you're not you're not always you know we've seen from Hemmings and and McNeil they can't play the way Presley plays, and Presley really suits our style of football. You know, I I actually think Presley might suit our style of football better than. Luke Norris did last season. Yeah. Um, he's very much in that sort of mould, isn't he? He's he's the big man in there. He's who who we we're designing football around to try and have him bring others into play to knock the ball on. And I think he's been doing a great job of it so far. <clears throat> It'd be great if he could finish better. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But then again, I'll say that early on about Norris as well. Norris missed a lot of sitters early on last season. A lot of sitters. Well maybe not sitters, but a lot of chances that you would have expected Luke Norris to score. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got, I think the problem, I think, I think it's a really, it's, it's quite a good point um, that Ray, that the Reese Reese made. I think that we've got a lot of players that don't necessarily feel, feel, you know, we, the, the holes that are left by the players up in front of them, um, you know, in, 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 in midfield, we've got we've got Thompson, Louis Louis Thompson, and we've got Jake Forslagaski. 
Ben Thompson's nothing like either of them. Nick Freeman's nothing like either of them. Alex McDonald's nothing like either either of them. Harrison Neal might be a little bit similar to Louis Thompson in terms of, you know, he's a defensive kind of defensive-minded midfield player. But this may just be age and experience, but he's 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 got fra- a fraction of he, of Thompson's on the ball ability. I think I think you know Tom Thompson the way he moves the ball around and finds those creative players is is at times fantastic. Yeah, um, and Harrison Neal hasn't sh- shown any ability to do that so far. It's the game intelligence and experience of those two as much as yeah. anything, isn't it? That they know where to be. So you're already three yards ahead of play than uh, a youngster trying to find his way in the game. And with regard to the forward situation, I think it's fairly clear from what I've seen that the Roberts-Presley-Reed front three is causes more challenges to opposition defences than any other set. And yes. it's kind of disappointing to see the step back when you drop it to your lists and to your hemmings. We need them to be closer to the guys that we want to be starting on a, on the regular and if they were then I think what Ben's suggesting would hold water but because we've seen that drop off in the amount of threat created when we have to go to that backup group of players it's uh, yeah it's not not where we are right now yeah absolutely um I think we may have reached the end of the episode, Patrick. Um, I think I feel like I had something else to talk about, but having made episode notes for the first time in about a year, I didn't actually put anything more down. I feel like I wrote it somewhere, but I was looking for it earlier and I've got no idea where it is and therefore I've no idea what it is. Your usual kind of level of borough pods planning an organisation to be fair we'll have a nice thorough discussion after the Port Vale game and uh, I'll have actually seen it so I'll have a bit more to uh, contribute I know what it was <laughs> oh good but uh, but I'm going to, no I know what it was but I'm going to delay oh teasers so it was going to be a little bit of like a right we're in mid-October now let's let's have a sort of early season review. How are we doing? How are we stacking up against the other promoted clubs? We've got a big enough sample size now, but I want to. I probably I might push it. I might push it to right bang on the midway point of the season. Fair. Tw- State of the Union. Tw- Twenty three games, whenever that is. So that 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 will hold off. Also, uh, I've made. I don't know why I'm saying this on the podcast. <laughs> I've made. <laughs> I'm going to do that though. I'm, I've made early overtures into getting a special Christmas guest on again. Ooh. Yep. And I'm not going to tell anybody, including the other Barapod uh, guys, who it's going to be. Well, that's very exciting news. <sighs> Did someone say medal winner? Um... I'm joking. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Graham Wesley. <laughs> He's been busy. He's been busy. Uh, that would be ridiculous. Uh, it's not going to be him. Um, but we'll 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 see who it is. Anyway, um, 
uh, let's hope this Saturday goes off with a bit of bit of a bigger bang than the previous. Let's let's hope for a good game of football, <laughs> and more importantly, three points. And even more importantly, a good refereeing performance. How about that? That would be nice to be treated to a good refereeing performance. If I don't notice that he's there, he's done a great job. Hmm. It's wishing for a lot, but fingers crossed. It is, isn't it? It's, it's I'm asking for too much. Never mind. Anyway, thanks, thanks, Pat. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Have a great week. And up the barra. What do you reckon the player's favourite McDonald's is? Sweeney screams fillet of fish to me. I can see that. I reckon TVC loves a McFlurry because they're smooth as silk like his first touch. Do you reckon Macca loves a Macca's? I mean, obviously. Just look at his cheeky face. And Revs definitely takes down a McNugget's share box on his bill. You want to watch what you say about our team's nutritionist? Order McDelivery now from the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.